With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Bekam Adaf Tzadik Hay, page 95. We begin seven lines in, towards the end of the line of the two dots. Gozal Parmi Uberis Viyodavachuli. We said in the Mishnah case where someone steals a cow that's pregnant and it gives birth, etc. So now we have a Bryce that discusses the same case. We have a Bryce as follows. Hagozal Rachel Vigazaza Viyodah. The Bach takes out the word para and it goes like this. So let's say somebody steals a sheep and he shears the sheep and the sheep also gives birth. So Rabbi Meir says that you have to pay the current value of the sheep itself and the shearings and the offspring. Rabbi Yehuda says that the actual sheep itself that was stolen goes back as is, meaning without the shearings, without the vladis, without the offspring. And you pay separately, what you do is, you determine how much the original value of the thing was when you stole it, and then you subtract the current value of the sheep, and you pay the difference. Rabbi Shimon says, What you do is you evaluate how much it was originally worth when it was stolen, and you give that money. You don't actually give back the sheep itself. The Gemara asks a question as follows. My time the Rabbi Meir. What's the understanding of Rabbi Meir? Why does he say that you return it as is? Whether we're talking about the sheep, whether we're talking about the shearings, and whether we're talking about the offspring. What does that mean? What's the understanding of it? One possibility is because he holds that even though there's a significant change to this animal, because it was shorn and it gave birth, nevertheless, it's not considered a different animal. It's still considered the original person's animal. So, so that's the understanding why you have to give back everything as is. Oydilma, perhaps, Ba'alma, generally speaking, Shinukaina. In fact, if you change it, it's not considered the original person's thing. It's no longer that original thing that was stolen. Vahacha Kanasu the Kakanis. And what's the reason why it's to give back everything as is? It's a Kanas, it's a fine, the person who stole it. That has to give back everything so that Shalei says that a person who sins shouldn't end up getting rewarded by getting whatever benefit, whatever profit has been gained by this animal. What's going to be the practical difference between these two understandings? Where the animal, instead of going up in value, actually went down in value. So now, if we assume like the first understanding, which was that if the animal has changed, it's still considered the original person's animal. So even if it went down in value, the, the gazel, the person who stole it, can return it as is. He doesn't have to pay based on the original value it was at when it was stolen. But if we say that really when it gets changed, when, when something happens, let's see, it was shorn or it gave birth, so it's no longer considered the original person's thing. So, and what's the reason why he has to return it as is when it's a higher value? Because it's a kanasa to fine. So now when the animal goes down in value, what's going to happen? So he's going to have to pay based on the original value it was at when he stole it. Why? Because now it's changed. So it's gone out of the possession of the person who he stole it from. And how do we determine? We can only determine not based on its current value, but on the value it was originally at. So therefore, according to that understanding, he's going to have to pay based on that original value. So the Gemara says, Toshima, let's try to bring a proof which way is the correct understanding. Let's say somebody stole an animal, and the animal got old, so it went down in value, it changed for the worse. Let's say somebody stole slaves, and the slaves got old. So then the Tanakama holds that you have, to, you have to pay based on the original value that it was at when you stole it. Rabbi Meir, I mean, Rabbi Meir says, In regards to a slave, he can say to him, take your slave as is. Now, the indication is, the implication is, that Rabbi Meir would hold that in regards to an animal, in fact, you pay like the original value it was at when you stole it. 
Now, if it would be true that Rabbi Meir holds that when it changes, it remains in the original possession, then he would say, he should say, even in regards to an animal, that there too he can say to him, take the animal as is, and never transfer it out of the possession of the original owner. It's a clear proof that Rabbi Meir holds that when something changes, when the animal changes, when it gets worse, it's considered that it's transferred into the possession of the person who has stolen it, and therefore he can't say, take your thing back, and it's the payment like the original value. So why over here does Rabbi Meir say that he can say to him by the shearings and by the animal and by the offspring, that he can say, take your thing as is, or he has to say to him, take your thing as is, it's only because of a fine, but really, in fact, it has transferred into his possession. Amir Rabbi Meir, so we say like this, it's not a clear-cut proof because we could say as follows with Rabbi Meir. He, when he's talking now, he's actually saying according to the sages themselves, and it's as follows, according to me, Rabbi Meir could be saying, that when it changes, it doesn't go out of the possession of the original person. And really, he could say that even in regards to an animal, he could say, take the animal as is, even where it got old. But what he's saying is like this. According to you, that you say that in fact when it changes, so it does change possessions, you should, still should agree to me, but Avda, in regards to a slave, why? That since a slave in a certain sense is considered like karka, like ground, the karka in an exilus, something that's ground, you can't steal ground. It can't transfer into someone else's possession. So so to a slave can't transfer into someone else's possession. So therefore, even according to the sages who hold that if something changes, it does change possession, here it shouldn't change possession. They should agree to Rebbe Meir. And the sages are responding, no, lo, I'm sorry. In fact, a, a slave is actually considered more like a movable object. And therefore, a movable object can transfer possession. So now that it's changed, it's gotten old, it's gotten worse, in fact, it transfers into the possession of the person who stole it, and he has to pay based on the original value is at when he stole it. Toshima. I'm going to bring you another proof as to what Rabbi Meir holds, whether he holds that in fact it changes possession or not. Let's hire you to color my wool red, but instead you color it black. I hire you to color it black, but instead you color it red. Rabbi Meir, so Rabbi Meir says that the person who did the coloring, so he gives him back the value, he has to pay him for the value of the wool that was originally given to him. So the indication is, the implication is, only the value of the wool, but not the value of the wool plus what has gone up in value. And if you would believe to say, that when it changes, it does not transfer into the possession of the other person, so if it hasn't transferred possessions, so he should give it, he should have to give him back the value of the wool plus whatever it's gone up in value, because it's still his wool. So it's clear we can deduce from here that Rameir holds that in fact when it changes it does transfer possessions and that's why he only has to give him back the value of the wool as it was originally. In our case, where the person stole an animal, he shore it and it gave birth, that we said he has to give it back based on the current value, that despite the fact that it has transferred possessions, it's just a class of fine that we place upon the person who stole it. It's a good proof. It could the that those who say, that actually this was not our question. Why? From the fact that Rav switched around the first bracer that we brought, and he had as follows. Gazal, it should be behema. If somebody stole an animal of his skin and got old, avadim viskinu, or he stole slaves and they got old, so in this version of the bracer, so Rabbi Meir is the one who says that you pay based on the original value. And the sages say, that in regards to a slave, so we can say to him, take it as is. So according to this version, 
invalid Rabbi Meir Shinikaina. Clearly, Rabbi Meir holds that when it changes, so it does transfer possessions. And in regards to our case, the reason that we say that he has to pay based on the current value is clearly because of a fine. So that was not a question. The question was as follows. Do we say that only if somebody intentionally steals something, that's when we go and we say that he has to pay all of the current value and we make a fine on him. But if let's say somebody didn't realize he was stealing, meaning he bought from someone who was a Gazan and he was buying stolen goods and it went up in value, maybe there we wouldn't say that we have to place this fine on him. Or perhaps even when someone does it unintentionally, we'll also make this fine. Tashima, the tries to bring a proof from the following case. There are five people that all they can collect from is property that is still by the person who owes the money, as opposed to Meshubadim. Meshubadim are encumbered properties, properties that let's say the person, I'll give you an example, Ruvain lends money to Shimon. So Shimon now owes Ruvain money. So Shimon, he guarantees normally to, Sh- to Ruvain, the person who lent him the money, that if he doesn't pay back, so he can collect from a piece of property that he has. So now if Shimon, who owes the money, goes and sells that piece of property to someone else, so if it's Meshubad, if it's encumbered, so Ruvain will still have the ability, the right, to collect from that piece of property. So now we're going to say that there are five people, there are five cases that they do not have the right to collect from encumbered properties, properties that were sold to someone else, but rather they only have a right to collect from whatever properties are still left by the person who owes the money. What are these five cases? Ve'eluhin, these are they. Peirois, v'shavach peirois, fruits. And whatever the fruits have gone up in value, we'll see soon what this is talking about. If someone accepts upon himself to provide sustenance for his stepchildren, a document that uh, states that someone owes money to someone else, where it wasn't accepted upon himself to pay with his property, or a uh, document when a person gets married to someone else, to a woman, so he guarantees that if he divorces her or if he dies, then that there's going to be a payment that's going to be given to her, where he, but he didn't accept upon himself that it's, the payment's going to come from any kind of pieces of land. So all of these cases, you can only collect from whatever's available now, not from a not from a piece of land that was sold. Who's the one that holds? Who's the shita? Who's the the sage that holds? That if you left out the concept of the ability to collect from any piece of property, that it's not a mistake, that in fact it was done intentionally. Who's the one that holds that way? Rabbi Meir. It's our Rabbi Meir. What does it say? Paris or Shevach Paris. talks about fruits and the, the value that the fruits have gone up. Shevach Paris, What is this case? What exactly does it mean, the value that fruits have gone up? Keep going. The case is as follows. Somebody stole a field from his friend. And he sells it to someone else. Unbeknownst to the person who's buying it, it was stolen property. Then the person who bought it, so he invests in it. And now, the person who it originally belonged to, was stolen from, so he comes and said, this is my property, and taking it back. So now the person who was not aware that he was buying stolen property, when he goes back to the person he bought it from and says, give me back my money, so he can take that money from encumbered properties, properties even if it was sold. In the meantime, he's allowed to go to those properties. But in regards to whatever value he's invested into the property, so he's coming back to the person who sold it to him, who was the Gazan, who stole the, the piece of property in the first place, so that can only be collected from the Chasim Ben from properties that have not been sold. Off. So this is what we're referring to when we talk about Shevach Paris, the value that the piece of property has gone up. That cannot be collected from the Chasim Mishibun from encumbered properties. So, but what do we see? We see the Asaf Bal Are, Vishakil Are, Vishavche. The original owner of the land, what does he do? He comes and he takes his piece of land along with whatever it's gone up in value. So, like Mar says, perhaps this has to do with what we're talking about, my love, perhaps the Ama Aritz. That we're talking about a person who was the last person who bought it, the one who didn't realize that he was buying something that was stolen. Perhaps he was a person who was an ignorant 
He's not aware of the fact that a piece of land, whether or not it has the ability to be stolen or not. And we said previously that in fact a piece of land does not have the ability to be stolen. It can't transfer properties. Nevertheless, the person who originally owned it, what does he do? He comes along, he takes the piece of land along with whatever the, the land has gone up in value. And therefore we would be able to deduce that even in a case where it was an accident, right? This guy didn't realize that he was stealing something. He didn't realize he was buying something that was stolen. Nevertheless, we see that he has to give back the whole value, including whatever went up in value. So we see that we will find someone, despite the fact that he's unaware of something that he stole. So Gemara says, Amri, we say like this, I'm sorry, no, it's not true. But We can very well say that we're talking about a person who bought it unaware of the fact that it was stolen, but he was nevertheless a scholar. He knew that if you take a piece of land and you change that piece of land, it's still not going to transfer possessions unless you do a proper kinyan, a proper way of transferring. And therefore, the reason that it goes back to the current value along with all of the investment that the person who bought it made is not because of a fine, but rather because of the fact that just by changing it, it doesn't transfer it out of the possession of the original person since we're talking about a piece of land. Tashima, the Gemara brings in the proof. Let's say I hire you to color my wool red, but instead you do it black. I hire you to do it black, but instead you do it red. Rabbi Meir says, Rabbi Meir says, All you give him is the value of the wool itself, and not the higher value of the wool. The indication is only the value of the wool, and not the value of the wool along with whatever it's gone up in value. And if you would think that if someone unintentionally stole, so you would also create a fine on that person. So here too, in a certain sense, this guy has accidentally stolen it by putting in the wrong color. So he should also have to pay him the current value. Elalav, rather, Shmamino, it's clear, the Mezid Kanis, Bishagid Lekanis. We only make a fine only when it was done intentionally, not where it was done unintentionally. Shmamino, it's a good proof. I think I want to return to the Bryce that we were speaking about, which was a case of a sheep that had been stolen, and it still had the shearings upon it, and it also was pregnant, and then it gave birth, and the shearings were taken off. So Rabbi Meir said that you give everything back at the current value. Rabbi Yehuda, I mean, Rabbi Yehuda says, that the stolen thing, even though now it's shorn, and now it's no longer pregnant, it re- it's returned as is. Rabbi Shimon, I mean, Rabbi Shimon says that you figure out how much it was worth when it was originally stolen, and you give it back to him as the original value. My banana, What's the difference between what's the, what are they arguing about? Amr Zidrezviz says They're arguing about a case where the animal was stolen and it went up in value while it was at the house of the person who stole it. Reb Yehuda suffered the Nixal Havi. Reb Yehuda holds whatever is still on the animal, meaning if let's say he had not shorn it yet and the animal had not given birth yet, so who gets that? So it goes back to the person who it was stolen from, and that's what he means when he says that he has to give it back as is. Reb Shimon suffered the Gazlan Havi. Reb Shimon holds no, you don't give it back as is, but rather whatever's gone up in value, the Earrings, and the fact that it's pregnant now, that actually goes to the person who stole it. And it would seem it's because he's the one who's investing in it, making it go up in value. Rapapa actually says that everyone agrees, both Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon, that whatever's gone up in value, it actually belongs to the person who stole it. And when Rabbi Huda says that you give it back as is, it doesn't mean as it is now, but as it was when it was originally stolen. And as far as what Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon are arguing about, it has to do with whether or not they're splitting up whatever it's gone up in value. Rabbi Yehuda holds whatever it's gone up in value is completely, it completely goes to the person who stole it. He's the one who invested in it. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon holds no. That all the person who stole it gets is a half or a third or a quarter, just like if somebody goes and gives his animal to someone else to make it go up in value. So he 
It gives them a certain amount of the value that it goes up, not the full value because it's still my animal and I'm giving it to you in order to make it worth more, but I still want to have part of that money. Right? So, so too in regards to a Gazan, a person who stole it, he doesn't get the full amount according to Rabbi Shimon. Tanat, we learned in our mission, Gosel Paravinis Abra Tzloi. Let's say somebody stole a cow and it got pregnant while it was by the person who stole it. Viyold and it gave birth. Rachel Vinitana Tzloi Vigazan. So let's say he stole a sheep, it developed wool and then he shore the wool. Mishalim Kishasak Zela. So he has to pay based on the original value it was worth when it was stolen before it had gone up in value at all. Yolda in, the indication here is, it's only because it gave birth. That's why it gives it based on the original value. But if it had not yet given birth, even though it had gone up in value at the house of the person who had stolen it, nevertheless, you return it as is. It's good according to Rabbi Yehuda, who says that according to Rabbi Yehuda, that whatever's gone up in value, so it goes back to the original person who it was stolen from, according to Rabbi Yehuda. So we can say that this Mishnah is Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rabbi Yehuda, the Gazan Havi, who says that everyone agrees, both Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, that it remains the person who stole it. How money, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon? So our mission will not come out neither like Rabbi Yehuda nor like Rabbi Shimon. Amar lecha Rapapa. So Rapapa will respond like this: Who That the truth is that our Mishnah would agree that even if the animal had not yet given birth, it still would not go back to the person who it got stolen from. So why does the Mishnah say it in a way that seems to indicate not that way? By saying this line that it had given birth, why does it say? Why does it seem to imply that way? So my answer is, I did the Nasiv Reisha Yolda, since in the first case of the Mishnah, we had to say a case where it gave birth, because over there it was coming to say a case where it had given birth and you're paying based on the original value, which was what it was worth when it was pregnant. Now, so safe Nami Yolda. So for that reason, we also spoke about to keep the Mishnah uniform a case where it had given birth. But in fact, even if it had not given birth, we would say in the second case where it went up in value in the Rishus, in the possession of the person who stole it, that he returns it based on the original value and he doesn't have to give the person he stole from whatever's gone up. We have a Bryce that explicitly says like Rapapa. Rabbi Shimon, I'm here. In this Bryce, it says like this. Rabbi Shimon says, So how do we view this value that has gone up in value while it was by the person who had stolen it? How much does he get? The person who stole it actually gets a half or a third or a quarter. Meaning, it's clear from here, like Rapapa said, that everyone agrees that the person who stole it does get whatever's gone up in value. The only question is if he gets all of what has gone up in value or just a part of it. Amar Ravashi, Ravashi says, Kiavinon Bey Rav Kahana, when I was in the Yeshiva Rav Kahana, Iboylam, we asked the following question. Rabbi Shimon, Amar Lamech Selishishilor Vihuda Shagal, according to Rabbi Shimon, who says that the person who stole, so he gets a half or a third or a quarter of whatever it's gone up in value, Kimis Alkinale, when he gets paid off, so to speak, Bidamemis Alkinale, Adilam Bibisar Shakul. Does he get paid with money, or does he actually get the flesh of the animal that's gone up in value? Bashalam Ehoda, Amar of Nachman, Amar Shmuel. We're able to answer the question based on the statement of Rav Nachman in the name of Shmuel. There are three things that we evaluate how much something has gone up in value, and we give that value in money. These are they. The first case is where the father passes away and leaves over to his two sons pieces of land. So the way it gets split up is that the older son, the Bechor, the firstborn, he gets double. And the younger son gets only one portion. So they split it up into three portions. The older son gets two-thirds and the younger son gets one-third. Now, let's say it had gone up in value before they actually split it up, but after the father died. So what happens is, in regards to the value that it's gone up in value so that amount is split evenly. So Rashi gives a case, let's say, the whole piece of land had gone up in value 12 zoos. So now the older brother, so he takes two-thirds of that amount in the land, and so he gets eight out of the 12 zoos, but he takes four, which is the extra portion that he's getting, he splits that in half, because he has to give it back to his brother, but he doesn't have to give him a piece of land, but rather he gives him money. That's what we're saying. 
The second case where we see that he gives him money and not a piece of property is let's say you have Ruvain owes money to Shimon. So now when Ruvain accepted upon himself the loan, so he had a piece of land. But in the interim, so Ruvain sold that piece of land to Levi. So now Shimon, who's owed the money, he comes to Ruvain. Ruvain says, I have no money. Go to Levi. Levi's the one who has the property. Now he comes to Levi. Levi says, listen, you can take this property back. However, I invested a certain amount of money into this property. So you can't take that. So Shimon takes the piece of land and he has to reimburse Levi for whatever investment had been made in the property now that he's taking the whole property. So now when Shimon reimburses him, he doesn't have to give him from that piece of land that he's taken, but rather he can give him money. The third case is where someone is owed money by the orphan's father. So he comes to the orphans and he says to them, pay me. So he's coming to collect a piece of land for, for his loan. So now this piece of land in the interim between the time that the, the father died and this person is coming to collect his money, so the piece of land has gone up in value. So he has to return that money to the Yisomim, to the orphans, because they retain the right to that, the, the amount that has gone up in value. So he doesn't have to give them a piece of land, but all he has to do is give them money. Thus we see that in all of these cases, in regards to the value that something has gone up, where it's being reimbursed, so it's paid as money, and not from the piece of car, the piece of land, so, so too in regards to this case, where a person stole, it would also not be paid from the animal itself, but rather, he would be given money. I'm really Ravina the Ravashi. So Ravina turns to Ravashi and says like this, Is it true that Shmuel actually said the middle case, where the person who is owed money, we said. So he came to the person who had bought the piece of property that was encumbered to his loan, and he now he has to give him back whatever he invested in the property. Is it true that he has to give him that, that investment? We find that Shmuel says, In fact, the person who is owed the money, he ends up getting whatever the investment was. He doesn't have to give it back to the person who had bought the piece of property. So he says to him, it's not a problem. It depends how far the investment has gone. If the person invested and the investment has produced crops that reach all the way up to one's shoulders, they're fully grown, so then that's something that the Balcho, the person who was owed the money, now that he's taking the piece of land that this person had invested in, he has to pay him back for the investment. But if it hadn't reached so far in its development, so then he does not have to pay back for the investment. Amar Lai, so he responds and says, There were stories that happened every day, Shmuel would give to the Bachot, the person who was owed money, when he's taking this piece of property, he would keep even whatever investment had been made, even if it had developed all the way up to the point where it was grown to, up to the shoulders. Amar Lai, so he says to him like this, like kosher, it's not a problem. The difference will be how much is actually owed to the Balchov, to the person who is owed money. If the amount that's owed to him includes the amount that the property has gone up in value, so then he'll get even whatever's gone up in value, and he's not going to have to pay for that. But if the amount that he's owed is only the, the value of the land itself, so then the person who's owed the money will have to actually return to the person who he's taking away the property from whatever investment that he made into the property. And now, the person who had originally bought this piece of property, so he has to go back to the person who sold it to him, who had owed this guy money originally, and which is Ruvain in this case, just go back to him and say to him, listen, I have this investment, I need my money back, etc. So he responds like this, This is good, this is what we're saying, that if a person who's owed money, and he's taking away the piece of land from someone who's invested in it, so he has to give him back money, and, and the guy doesn't have a right to ask for a piece of property, that's good, that if, let's say, a person who had bought the piece of land from the person who owes money to the person who is owed money to, so, let's say he has money, and wants to say to him, you know, you, instead of taking this piece of land, let me give you money in place of the piece of land. So, the one who says that you can't 
do that shapirs. Everything works out good because since he can't give him money and the guy can force him to give him a piece of land, so he has no time. He can't say to him, "Oh, give me a piece of that piece of land." But according to the one who says, that if the person who had bought this piece of land that was encumbered to Shimon's loan, let's say he has money, so he can say to the person who is owed the money, he can say, "Listen, take this money instead of the piece of land." So according to this opinion, let him say to him, If I had money, So I would have taken you and said to you, take, Don't take the land. So instead of giving me money, so give me a piece of land. The amount that I invested in it. Amar um, so he responded and said, What's the case over here? Why can't he say that? That the case is where, where when the original loan was taken, so he had designated that this piece of land is where the loan is going to be collected from. He said to him that you're not going to be able to collect from anywhere else but this. And in such a case, so the person who bought that piece of land, he doesn't have the ability to say to him, take money instead of the land, but rather the person who's owed the money has the right to take the land no matter what.